whenever you're listening to this. This is Luke coming in on the morning of the 11th of March. Initially, we were planning on having a episode about New Exiles going up, but uh, we haven't recorded that yet. I haven't taken notes on it yet, even though I've read it, because uh, late-era Chris Claremont stuff is a slog. Especially if you have to read it multiple times to take notes, and it's just, why was this published? Devin hasn't gotten to doing the reading yet, and we also had this interview with Heather Antos, which was done before she announced that she was leaving Marvel. Congratulations on the new position. I am incredibly happy for you. And so we decided to run this episode that we were planning on initially doing for our third year anniversary because we started back in march of 2015 like we're only a few days early because that first one was on march 16th so you know i think we're in the good here because technically that first post was on the 15th but i digress because i am rambling it is also daylight savings time switchover day and yeah so you're getting this interview Next week we are doing the new Exiles, and then the week after that we've got another episode that should be good. And yeah, I just wanted to thank you all. This project, it's such a weird, weird, weird passion project, especially at this point. Like, I was talking with someone yesterday, and it's like, why do you do a podcast on alternate universes and also what is an alternate universe comic and it is something that my dad who has well he he raised me with my mom it's not like he's the only person who raised me because that's a really weird thing to call out i am rambling this morning isn't that just fantastic um but yeah like my dad has literally heard what the premise is and has been like oh okay no thank you so um yeah thank you for like being interested in this thank you for doing reviews thank you for sending in questions thank you for supporting it i i feel like you know maybe more of the popularity is swung over towards exiled which i can understand i think exiled is going very well right now i'm Looking forward to the paper figures that we have uh, coming out to all of our backers. And so, yeah, thank you so much for, like, sharing, though, because it's, well, this is literally a bit of a passion project until we get to Secret Wars, which means also getting through Spider-Verse, which means having to go through Captain Britain and a bunch of other stuff unless we just stop with the end of exiles which i wouldn't be opposed to but you know we'll, we'll keep this going for as long as we can but like if you can share this and like maybe like uh go through some of the older episodes let us know what you like that means a lot because we have done a whole heck of a lot of episodes like we're currently at well 130 is the numbered number of episodes, but according to podcast, let's see where we are at. Also, sorry for the clicking in the background. Yeah. Oh, 
We have had 239 published episodes. We have never actually missed a week. I think we've had like three episodes in the entire run go up late. And like McElroy's ain't doing that shit. And yeah, so I mean, it is a passion project. Devin is now very busy getting his higher degrees i am now luckily in a relationship with someone who is more than happy to support me while i do this uh passion project that will possibly never lead anywhere and you know it's it's something that if it means a lot to you i appreciate that i've been happy to get to feature friends and make new friends through this and everything else and I should probably just end this rant now because my light just keeps clicking in the background like that and I don't want to have to keep re-recording and editing lines. So thank you very much for joining us for this, our anniversary episode. If you can support to the Patreon, we recently got to a new goal before we did the interview. Our next goal is like $19 away and... You know, if you pledge at that 5 or $10 level, I will hook you up with some digital products and other stuff that we have coming out, along with those X-Out figures, so uh, thank you all again for listening, and now let's get on to that interview. Welcome to Multiverse OQ, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week, we're celebrating our three-year anniversary. And to celebrate, we got one of the like most prolific Marvel editors out there currently, Heather Antos. Oh my goodness, what an introduction. <laughs> thank you for having me on your anniversary episode. That's so fantastic. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you've... Uh, at least touched some of the books that we have uh, covered on the podcast since then. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you about comics and ultra universes and all that sort of stuff. Well, let's do it. Okay. So some of the books that you've uh, edited include the unfortunately recently concluded Gwenpool, which I am going to miss. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, I don't. I'm not quite sure when this episode is airing, but uh, as of in in, in recording time, uh, the last issue came out last week, and it was a very very emotional Wednesday for me at the office. Let me tell you. I would agree with that. Uh, it was very nice of you to temporarily give over access to your Twitter to Gwendolyn Poole. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss doing that. That that was always a fun part about uh, you know interacting with the fans and and working with that character in particular. I mean, Gwen is a character that is so unique to the Marvel universe and to comics in general, and as well as you know, I think it goes without saying like she's obviously a very big part of of you know my my career at Marvel and, and I love her dearly and I love the creative team dearly. So, you know, not having a script come in from Chris Hastings every month and, and not, you know, getting layouts from Guru Hero. It's, it's hard. It's, it's so emotional and it's so weird to be so 
attached to a character in this way. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm so happy with, with the end result, how the issue came out, you know, the, the fans have been so delightful and reading the reviews have been excellent. So I, you know, I'm sad to see it go, but it ended in the best way I could imagine. I, I can relate from my own various experiences doing comic writing and with projects ending at points where you'd, you'd rather be able to keep them going and that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we were lucky enough to have a lot of lead time um, for, for the ending of Gwenpool. Um, you know, we, we knew well in advance that issue 25 was going to be the last issue. So we were really able to lean into um, making that matter and making that part of the story in her last arc, um, which I think was so crucial into having the impact that the ending had. Um, you know, had we found out only a couple issues out that, oh, you know, you only have two issues left or you only have three issues left, um, I don't think we would have been able to have as uh, powerful an ending. So, you know, as unfortunate as it was that the story had to end, um, it, it worked out well, I think. Yeah. Like it used a conclusion. Well, it had definitely felt a lot more like it was on its own terms, as opposed to like some of the other books, especially recently, where it's, you do have that feeling that it is, Oh, we have like two or three issues to wrap everything up instead of six. Yeah. Yeah. We were unfortunate or unfortunate. We were fortunate enough to, I think, find out roughly around, I think issue 17 or 18, um, around when Chris was, uh, turning in those scripts that, that this would be the end. Um, that 25 would be the end for Gwenpool. So, I mean, we really got to sit down and plot out this last arc and, and uh, really make it sing. So um, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to give anything away if, if people haven't read it yet, who've, who are listening, but um, if you haven't, why haven't you get on that? You're missing out on the greatest comic of all time. Basically that's, that's. It's been like a fantastic series that has transformed over time because like there's the initial backups when nobody had an idea of what it was and i think i picked it up because it was like oh chris hastings is writing this i love dr mcninja and i'm also a big fan of like gia hiru's work on like a whole bunch of comics like that uh captain america that got turned into a one shot that uh brian clevenger had written Mm -hmm. and so like seeing it transform from this like sort of silly over the top book where it was still incredibly far from just oh what if Deadpool was a girl and seeing it become this like fantastic meta narrative and this like commentary on comics and how everything interacts and even the memory of the fans was just revelatory oh well thank you so much yeah I'm, I'm glad you know, like that's, that's what we wanted, right? We wanted her to be different. We wanted, we wanted her to be more than just a, you know, another Lady Deadpool or a, just a mashup character. And um, I, I can confidently say we achieved that. Um, so, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for reading. 
Mm-hmm. And now, Devin, you've also been a fan of some of the work that Heather has edited, including the Amazing Spider-Man and Silk, the Spider-Fly effect. Yes. That you read during our rival saga last year. Yes. The great uh, Justice Riders and Broglio. <laughs> Oh man, I I uh, that that book was so long ago for me. <laughs> I almost forgot I worked on it for a minute. <laughs> well, because because uh, you know to to clarify is I primarily work or so far in my career I've primarily worked on just anything and all things Deadpool, and um, and then obviously all things Star Wars. So when. Jordan and I got handed the amazing Spider-Man and Silk um, comic to do. We, we were both kind of like, I mean, we won't say no to editing Spider-Man, but <laughs> it's a bit out of our wheelhouse, but it was a lot of fun, um, you know, getting to do this weird time travel story where Peter gets to interact with Uncle Ben. Um, spoilers. But if you hadn't read it, uh, the comic's been out for like two years, so whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's on Unlimited by this point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how was editing more of like this? Because it was one of those like digital first comics. I happened to pick it up when it came out in print. But is it different editing for that format rather than for the print one? I'm trying to remember um, because this was so long ago. So forgive me. This was this was an infinite comic, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the infinite comics are crazy to edit (laughs) um it takes a lot more i don't want to say a lot more work than a normal comic but it's a different set of skills and it's a a different timeline you're working against and obviously a different medium in a way um you know you you have to do it in this in this weird format that it's not animation and it's not video but it's kind of that barrier in between to give like motion effects and you can do some really, really, really cool stuff with it. Um, but that makes the, the layout process of it all take a lot longer um, to do. So I think every, every single issue was something like a hundred screens um, that you had to go through and like individually do layouts and, and, then doing lettering over that is a pain in the butt because, you know, you have to do a lot of masks of copying the same things, but the art moves and et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm so proud with how they turn out, but it was always kind of unfortunate because though we were so proud of how these things turned out and how cool they looked, no one read them. Um, which is really sad because I think like I worked on the X-Men 92 infinite comic was one of the first projects I, I did with Marvel. And again, Mm -hmm. like, I think, I think it was just so, so cool. And, and flipping through these things on the, on the tablets and the screen was just fun and different, but I don't think the format was marketed properly. So it didn't get in front of the right people. And so ultimately uh, Marvel ended up uh, moving, moving beyond the infinite formatting which is sad but uh they're still out there and you can still read them um the different ones that have been done so uh i i say check them out i know there's definitely a huge number of them that are on marvel unlimited spider-man and silk x-men 92 um a 
a year in marvels uh was another another series that we did um they're super super fun there was the uh deadpool dracula like oh, dracula's gauntlet yep yeah yep uh there's the iron man one that i think al ewing wrote i think so yeah i did not work on that one um there's i believe there was a Thor one that was done. I think there was an Avengers one. Like, you know, uh, I believe every office did did one except Star Wars. Um, Spider-Man got amnesia. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and just unfortunately, not enough people, you know, like Gwenpool, not enough people were reading it. And uh, so Marvel moved on. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was sad but i think it is one of those things where it it weirdly has that barrier of entry to reading it because i mean mark wade uh i think still has his entire brand where it started off based around oh yeah we're going to do these digital first comics and i don't know the last time i've heard anything about that but it it's a fantastic tool if used correctly yeah but i it's a lot more work yeah, it is a lot more work. Um, there are definitely, you know, people that that we were fortunate enough to have Riley Brown do a lot of the layouts um, for. Uh, he worked on Deadpool and Cable, which was another infinite that I did. Um, and Riley Brown is kind of the one who, with Jordan on Dracula's Gauntlet, which was the first infinite comic, really broke down and made the the medium what it was um and so he he gets it more than anyone else and so if this format sounds like something you're you'd be interested in um i definitely suggest checking out uh fabian Nicieza and riley brown's um deadpool and cable which is another oddly enough time travel story uh we do a lot of time travel with infinite comics apparently uh and then riley brown and fabian Nicieza also have their own uh, digital comic that they're doing right now. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, um, but it actually has to do with uh, the internet in itself is, is a subject matter, which is kind of cool considering the format that it's being done in. Is that outrage? I think so. Uh, that is what has come up. Uh, first one looking up their names and digital comic yeah so that that sounds right um but yeah like riley just gets it it's so cool um mm. so yeah and then like you mentioned you've done uh work on editing deadpool since i believe the start of the fourth not volume but the fourth series which has been going on for a massively long time. And then you've been picking up all the side series as well. Yeah. Um, I actually uh, wrapped the end of the, I don't know what you would even call it now. Um, my, my first issue of Deadpool was like Deadpool 43, um, which was uh, the Deadpool versus Omega Red arc. And I, I did, so I did Death of Deadpool, Deadpool 250. Um, and, uh, during, uh, what was it? Uh, secret wars. 
Uh, so I did all that and relaunched it again in October 2015 with uh, Deadpool World's Greatest and have been on that and all the many, 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 many crazy Deadpool miniseries <laughs> ever since. Um, and it is so much fun. I like to say, you know, anything that you can't get away with in any other comic you can get away with in Deadpool. <laughs> And uh, you also mentioned X-Men 92, which we were both big fans of here. Yeah, that was a fun one. One of my first books, uh, getting to do the Infinite of X-Men 92, which did well enough that we got to do uh, ongoing of it, um, which was cool because I grew up with the X-Men animated series cartoon. Uh, so it was a fun first project. And then you've also been doing work on the Star Wars titles as well. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that I, I work on a lot. Let's just say I've spanned, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've spanned the Marvel and Disney universe, I guess, as one could say. <laughs> so is there a property that Marvel used to own that you would have loved to have done editorial work on? Like how they used to have, uh, well, now I guess you guys are getting Conan back again. But there's a lot of the older stuff like uh, Transformers or G.I. Joe or those sorts of uh, weirder properties that now are forever unable to be uh, captured in digital collections and that sort of thing. I mean, honestly, Star Wars is it for me uh, like that when when I got hired and they told me you're going to be working on Star Wars and Deadpool like you could have killed me then and <laughs> and I would have been content with that because those you know i've been a huge huge star wars fan my entire life growing up and deadpool were the first marvel comics i ever read um so you know i was in heaven um and and uh so getting to kind of bring star wars back to marvel has been a dream come true for me um yeah yeah, I mean, you know, I've talked about it a bunch. Uh, the 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 only the only thing that would possibly top that for me is if I could ever work on James Bond comics. But uh, Dynamite pretty much has those unlocked right now, so yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think that'll be happening anytime soon. We aren't going to get a James Bond inspired reboot of uh, Nick Fury or any of the other series. Uh, I might be working on a James Bond inspired other book right now, maybe. That's all. So do, you, do you get to help decide which characters get their own little miniseries in the Star Wars books? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, pitching pitching new Star Wars titles is a bit of a give, give and take with Lucasfilm. Sometimes we get to go to them and be like, hey, we need a miniseries, you know, during this chunk of months. Um, these are the three characters we would like to, um, we, we, you know, we're open to doing and sometimes they'll come back with us and be like, awesome, that's cool. Or uh, they'll be like, hey, how would you feel about doing a story about this character who's going to be in this movie or this TV show at this time or, or whatever to kind of, you know, bring the whole universe together, as one would say. Yeah. And I know that you're very excited for the Thrawn miniseries that's happening now. Is there any chance we can get a Thrawn ongoing? Uh, a Thrawn going? A Thrawn going. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been pitching, 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 doing a Thrawn book since I started. I'm, I'm pretty sure even before my first day at Marvel, I was, I was 
uh, DMing Jordan uh, and saying like, okay, we need to do this. We need to do this. I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan of the Star Wars EU. So obviously Thrawn is up there for me as a favorite character. And um, I'm, I'm a much bigger nerd than a, <laughs> a lot of the people with the power making decisions at, at, at Marvel. So when I said Thrawn, they're all like, who? <laughs> And uh, so getting to do this adaptation was a bit of a testing the waters, um, if you will. You know, uh, if, if the sales are good enough on the adaptation, um, there's every possibility that uh, we might get a Thrawn original, um, which would be awesome. So if you like Thrawn and you want to see more Thrawn content and Thrawn in an original Marvel comic story, please, please, please order the issue from your LCS. Um, not only will you be helping your shop, but you'll be helping get yourself that story you so crave. Nice. Because I did love the Zon book. It was a good adaptation. Or, uh, yeah, like I think it would be something good to add, adapt. Yeah, Zahn is great. And getting to work with him, um, you know, asking him questions, questions and everything uh, as, as Jody and I work on the adaptation has been so awesome. He is so thrilled that it's uh, that Thrawn's in a comic and um, you know, every time I I'm, I'm sending him all the variant covers and all that and, and to see him excited that we're so excited just makes me even more excited and it's just great. <laughs> so speaking of star Wars as an inspiration and Timothy Zahn, whatever happened to the, uh, Second Star Lord, uh, Sinjin Quarrel. Uh, well, is he finally going to get his return? I mean, he doesn't exist anymore, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, unless unless we get the go ahead from Story Group as far as uh, Sinjin is concerned, he doesn't exist. Poor Sinjin. Poor poor Sinjin. It is weird how you do have like these weird twists and turns of what is in continuity and what isn't in continuity. Has there been like any moment in editorial or like when you've had a character who you've got some weird affection for who's been retconned out of existence and it's like, oh, why did that have to happen? Why can't they come back? <laughs> have you had any of those moments? I mean, you know, seeing Mara Jade go is, is tough. Uh, Mara Jade was great and there I mean there are so many fantastic stories Han Luke and Leia's stories even in the EU that you know don't exist anymore um, but ultimately I think it's so cool to have this new freedom to you know play in the Star Wars universe without being constrained by the weird weird tangled web that was the EU um, you know that that was going on for years and years and years and it contradicted itself 20 million times since last Thursday. Uh, so as much as, is, is it saddens me, you know, not having rogue squadron anymore. Right. And, and not having all these, these great stories that I grew up with count. They still exist. They, they're still out there. I still have them all on my shelves to read. And now I get to be inspired by them. Um, when I tell my new stories and I get to use Chewie now that Chewie is now alive and not dead anymore because they killed him off in the EU. With a moon. With a moon. I know. What is Star Wars obsession with moons? <laughs> <laughs> and then you get fantastic new characters like Dr. Aphra and Triple uh, Zero and BT. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. Uh, 
gosh, where would we, where would we be today without Dr. Afra? Really? Um, yeah, she's been fantastic, and the fans' reactions to her have been just amazing. And uh, a, a droid builder out there just made a droid replica, a life-size droid replica of BT, which is so cool. Um, you know, it's 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 a weird thing to be a part of the creation of a character that is just kind of transcended beyond the comics in such a way. Um, she's getting her own action figure this year, which is mind boggling, you know, going to celebration and seeing all the different cosplayers of her is just so thrilling. Um, and every issue that Kieran Gillen turns in and Cy Spurrier now who's, who's co-writing it's, it's just such an adventure. Um, I've, I've talked about it a million times on, on a bunch of other podcasts, how much I love Indiana Jones and getting to kind of have our own Indiana Jones in the star Wars universe is like my little piece of heaven. So as a like editor and a fan yourself, how often do you interact with fan creations? Cause I know there's no end of like podcasts, fan fiction and all that sort of stuff. Like, is there a point where it's like, Oh, well now that I'm doing it professionally, I have to keep my mind free. Or is it like, you know, I can dip my toe into the water to see who is getting shipped with who, or who people think might be under such and such as superhero mask. I, you know, I, I never really, indulged in too much fan fiction when it came to comics or star Wars or anything like that. Um, I, I was always just too busy consuming the books themselves. Uh, but it is, it is always fun to hop on the force.net the same day, uh, a new issue pops out, um, for a long time during screaming Citadel, you know, there were some fans that were obsessed with like, well, obviously Luke and Afra are going to get together um and that thread was fun to follow knowing that well coming up we like she has a full-on relationship you know with this other character spoilers i won't reveal who uh but uh you know it it is fun reading the speculation a lot i won't lie i definitely lean into the speculation from time to time on my twitter (laughs) I'll, i'll post a thing or two here that i know the fans will like um get excited about and uh then start fan casting uh which is which is always fun um getting folks hyped for you know the future the future stories and and things that we're gonna do nice so are there any like non-marvel comics that you're reading right now and enjoying or is it just i read so many comics um i love i mean i'm i'm super behind on on a lot of my image polls right now, I have like a stack of a hundred comics on my end table. I need to get into, but I've been in love with Jeff Lemire and Dustin Goyan's, uh, descender. That book has been going so strong since, since it's inception. Uh, Donny Cates baby teeth at aftershock is terrifying, and, but great. Brian K Vaughn and Cliff Chang's paper girls is phenomenal. I've been, enthralled with Jordi Belair's and Vanessa Del Rey's Redlands. Um, If you love horror comics, that is definitely one you need to check out. And I just heard the news the other day that uh, one of my favorite writers, Kelly Thompson, is bringing back Nancy Drew comics for Dynamite, which I'm so stoked about. Um, If anyone follows my Twitter, they'll know I've been 
uh, fan pitching uh, Nancy Drew comics via tweets for like the past month. Um, so I'm super excited to see Nancy Drew comics are coming back. <laughs> Especially in the face of like everything that Kelly Thompson has done with her Hawkeye run. And like, it's hard to think of a better choice. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, you know, when, when I saw the announcement, I was just like, well, duh, like who else, who else would you get to, to write those right now? Uh, Kelly is Kelly is the perfect person for Nancy Drew. So I am so stoked. I cannot wait uh, to, to read them. I've been, I've been doing my best not to text her and call her and ask her to tell me everything right away. I want to, I want to enjoy these as a fan and and not get spoiled. So we'll see if I can restrain myself. <laughs> nice. I didn't hear that, but I was surprised. because I thought Kelly Thompson signed an exclusive with Marvel last month. She did uh, exclusive with Marvel. Is it, it's different for creator, but, uh, but um, you are, you are allowed to to do work with other licensees. Um, you basically just have to let Marvel know first. And oh, okay. um, yeah, yeah, it's it's like DC and Marvel exclusives are basically well, you can't work for for the other one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, you're you're it's like I said, it's different per creator. You're allowed a certain amount of you know creator owned or other licensed stuff uh, per year. It's just if you get offered something and you want to take it, you essentially go back to Marvel and be like, hey, I want to do this. Is that cool by you guys? Thumbs up, thumbs down, et cetera, et cetera. So is there like a less than 0% likelihood of us getting a Marvel and DC crossover in this year or the next five <laughs> years? Because I mean, Al Ewing and Steve Orlando doing a crossover. Oh man, would be pretty amazing. that would be pretty great. Uh, gosh, I wish, um, you know, never say never, right? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, Bendis is at DC now. It's the Wild West. <laughs> well, he mentioned something, I think, yesterday on Twitter about it, too. Did he? Yeah, but, or like about like a dream of his, yeah. I mean, who knows? Uh, that, that, that guy makes magic happen in comics, right? So we'll see. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things we got done uh, covering last month was our or was the Marvel Noir series. And it's interesting seeing how like Spider-Man Noir at least has really stuck around and it's kept coming back. Are there any like notions or inklings of trying to get that back or do new series or new stories or even just doing a new line like that? I mean, I would certainly be down for that. I, I love the pulpy noir stuff. Um, you know, if, if anyone's followed my career, they they'll know my first self-publishing endeavor was with a crime anthology called unlawful good. Um, so I, I'm definitely all for that genre, but I think it ultimately comes down to, um, what the sales potential are. Um, you know, Spider-Man noir has been an okay evergreen title for us, but it doesn't, you know, it's, it's not in the top 10 best-selling graphic novels every year or anything like that. Um, so there would really, really have to be a demand for it, or we would have to get someone like huge who is interested, you know, like if, if, um, 
I mean, Bendis is at DC now, but say Bendis was still with Marvel and Bendis was like, oh man, I really want to do Punisher Noir or I really want to do Power Pack Noir. Yeah, let's have a Power Pack Noir. I like that book. Uh, (laughs) Let's have Bendis writing a Power Pack Noir um, and drawn by Juan Ferreira. I don't know. Uh, But uh, then then we'll talk. but right now, you know, the, the comic market is in just a really weird place right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if now would be the time, if that makes sense. Yeah. So in the past, like, maybe 10 years or so, every, like, two or three years, there's a new book that seems to headline a direction that Marvel is going to head in at least like putting in a few similar titles like Hawkeye did it. Uh, Miss Marvel did it. Uh, Captain America at the start of the Kelly Sue DeConnick run sort of had this influence where a lot of other books came with a similar feeling and a similar energy. What would you say exemplifies that or is sort of this quirky book that no one's entirely sure how it's going to work that ends up getting attention or leading attention and sort of inspiring other writers and creators and takes. Well, I think in recent years, uh, like last year, definitely the vision by Tom King and Gabe Walter, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, no one expected that to be anything that it was. And even, even in its single issues, it wasn't really anything. It, you know, it never hit top tens. It only got a couple second printings, but those trades sell like hotcakes that hardcover edition sold out right away because it's, it's just such a unique book. It's so smart, you know, like who would have thought using a, a family of androids would be the platform to discuss, you know, existentialism and what it means to be a human and what it means to be a family, right? Like it was just such a deep, deep and inspiring book that was so well done um, that it's, it's, it's going to be a book that people look back to for a long time. And I think people are definitely going to try and copy, you know, what Tom and Gabe and and Mike and everyone else were involved were able to accomplish with that. And um, it's it's going to be a tough one to beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devin, do you have any further questions? Um, but potentially about the other um, Spider-Man book that you're doing right now, which is um, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. Yeah, I like that book. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you first started off kind of just like little Annie being younger, and then we recently had the issues where she jumps for the eight years. Was that always the plan from the get-go, or did that kind of mold off from where we well, started? Well, I, I, I actually wasn't involved with the first year of that book. That was a different editorial team um, in the Spider-Man office proper, uh, Darren Chan and Kathleen Wisniewski, and then I think think uh kathleen came off of it and a different assistant editor was on it um so that was jerry conway and ryan stegman and that was you know with annie as roughly six ish i guess um six or seven um and when uh darren got moved to the x-men office 
I had been doing readout on that book, which is one of the final stages in editorial. And I, so I was really familiar with that. I knew he was going to be losing that book. And I, I, I loved, I loved reading about the adventures of, of little Annie. Right. And uh, so I asked him, I was like, please, please, please. Can you tell them to give this book to me? I want to edit it. And he was like, sure. Uh, and that was around the time that our legacy, uh, uh, a leg our the Marvel legacy thing was gonna launch. And so every book was kind of getting this new editorial hook in some way, shape or form. And so when they told me I was getting this book, um, Darren had talked to me like, this is, you know, this is the plan that we kind of mapped out, which was Annie, um, eight years later, that was, that was their hook. That was their selling point. Annie's now in high school. Annie's now the same age that Peter was when Peter got his powers. Only difference is Annie has been doing this her entire life, um, which gives her a world of a different experience, um, beyond who, what Peter was, um, so it was, it was, you know, definitely a challenge being handed something um, like that, where I didn't have as much creative say, uh, but I did get to um, cast Jody as the writer, as as Jerry wanted to step away um, from from writing for Marvel at that time, and um, so I, you know, it's it's been a lot of fun exploring. Annie and, and as she's in high school and Peter and MJ as they're dealing with a teenager and what that means and, in, in, you know, in the world and um, how they learn and grow as a family and how they learn and grow as superheroes. And then are you playing it all to like have them jump forward anymore in time or are you playing on just sticking? I put her in your current position. Spoilers. You're asking me for spoilers. <laughs> I know. Um, I, you know, I won't guarantee any jumps to the future, but there might be some, uh, blasts to the past. Okay. Nice. Well, we did get in a question via our Twitter system. Xavier Files wants to know, when did you realize Gwynpool wasn't just a joke? I mean, right away from the beginning, um, we, Chris Hastings and I had some talks about, you know, how to make her different. Um, when, when we were told making Gwenpool, we wanted to make Gwenpool um, a character into a book, you know, I think everyone was expecting just a, another Lady Deadpool or, a, you know, Marvel's version of Harley Quinn or, or whatever. And, um, we knew if this book was going to have any legs, she needed to be something special and she needed to, to really be different. Um, and I think, I mean, you, you definitely get that, uh, here and there in, in the first arc as you see her acknowledging that, you know, Cecil's a real character and, you know, Modoc really did just kill him and <laughs> Gwen really did just kill his entire family, you know, um, and in uh, issues five and six, when there is that kid who wants to, you know, blow up the school uh, when she first interacts with Miles, you know, she learns that you can't just kill a kid you know like you can't you can't just walk into a kid's house and shoot him just because you think he's a comic book character he's not like this is a real world and there are consequences and as much as you think you're a hero you're not here you're the bad guy and you know i like to think that that we grew 
as readers as Gwenpool grew as a hero, um, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool, a cool process. But the first time I read a script of Hastings, uh, and I and I knew I was like this, this is something different. Um, this is gonna make a mark. Was when I read issue seventeen, um, and that's the first issue. We see her play around with her panic panel hopping abilities and issue 16 a little bit, but issue 17 is when she really, no pun intended, breaks the barriers. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, I remember reading that script and thinking to myself, holy cow, how the hell is Guru Hero going to draw this? <laughs> like, and they did it and, it and it was fantastic. And, and it still blows my mind to this day that, Guru doesn't speak any English whatsoever. Every single script, uh, a wonderful, wonderful man named Aki Yanagi translates the script for the two beautiful women of Guru And they, it's, it's magic. This is the closest to alchemy we will ever come to as a society. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is like fascinating, both Guru and then like what you're talking about with uh, Gwynpool not just trying to be a Harley Quinn, because, like, for example, I played the Lego Marvel Superheroes game where they put Gwynpool into the Deadpool's traditional role. And there it feels very much like, oh, we're just going to have this wacky, goofy character who loves shooting guns and being loud and making references. And it's like, that's not that's not Gwyn. Like, like, that's, yeah, uh... she does that, right? Like, she does make references. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, in her first couple adventures, she is a bit reckless, but... You know, like that's that's such a surface level portrayal of her, um, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's a bit understandable in the same way that like Deadpool, he's got layers. But I think the way that Gwynpool evolves, it's sort of you can't really roll her back from that without losing a lot in the way that I guess Deadpool his story isn't always about that same forward movement. He can move in a lot more directions. Gwynpool's story is so much more character driven and character development driven. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, with Deadpool is, you know, he, he has a lot more longevity. He's been around for gosh, like 25 years now. Right. So, um, with lots of different writers and lots of different stories, you know, he, there's a Deadpool for everyone, I like to say. Um, mm -hmm. And Gwen just doesn't have that yet. Um, but it, it is one thing that I can tell when people talk about Gwenpool or when I see the different video game portrayals or, or what have you. I can tell who's read Gwenpool and who, ha who hasn't just right away. Um, yeah. It, it's been one of those things where I'll talk about the series with friends who are just like uh, no i don't want to read that it looks like just another deadpool knockoff and it's like no it's an emotionally powerful book that also has explosions <laughs> sometimes sometimes she catches the sound effects and there's no explosions and it made batrock very cool again which i don't think it happened since that remender captain america and batrock one shot uh, can you do me a favor and tell tom brevor that you thought gwenpool made batrock cool again just, just tweet that to him? Yes. Okay, thank you. I will appreciate that. <laughs> he does not agree. 
doing that right now. <laughs> Let's start a movement. <laughs> but yeah, no, Gwen, Gwen, you know, has such a quirky cast of characters. Batrock being one of them, Modok being one of them, Cecil Pigwin, who can forget Pigwin, um, Sarah and Tony. Yeah, they're, it's, it's been a wonderful ride and getting to revitalize Batrock and his weird way um, was super cool. And I think his farewell issue uh, was done really, really well. The, the moment where Gwen hugs him and says, I don't know if you're ever going to be portrayed like this ever again is so real mm -hmm. and so heartbreaking um, <laughs> that to any writer out there, whoever wants to write Batrock, you better get him right. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Did you ever read that uh, Remender Batrock one shot? I never did, but I I've been told about it. Hastings has told me about it a million times. I need to I need to find this issue so I can read it. It was one of those that I just randomly picked up when I worked in a comic shop and was like, "Oh, Batrock, that guy sounds crazy." And yeah, <laughs> it comics comics. Yep. <laughs> I have seen it in many a 50 cent bin, so there's a solid chance you will be able to find it somewhere. All right. I will do I will do some hunting. Some this will be a good weekend comic shop digging adventure, I have a feeling. And I think it's probably on oh, unlimited. Oh no no no. Somewhere. If I'm gonna read this, I'm no. gonna read this right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so sort of speaking of unlimited. Is there like any guide to what stuff is getting added on? Is it just like these are the books that we're planning on releasing or is it a bit scattershot based on like what a writer may want to be referencing back? Uh, you mean Marvel Unlimited? Yeah, I have yeah. no clue. That's a completely <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a completely different apart department. <laughs> I, have, I have no clue what they do over there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find a way to get whoever's in charge of that next time <laughs> so we can raise questions um well is there anything else that you want to ask or uh you want us to ask you about i don't think so i think we covered a good span of we talked about spider-man and silk for christ's sakes like <laughs> mm -hmm. i don't even remember i edited that one <laughs> Uh, you also did not brand. F. Oh my gosh! I'm. Did you read it? I'm so proud of that issue. <laughs> yeah, I have not. Uh, no, no, that's like, uh uh Well, you do. You don't have to put this on the podcast or not. Uh, that's up to you. But not brand Brandek is one of the projects I'm most proud of that I've done at Marvel, next to Gwenpool, probably. Um, that was one of those things that they gave to me that I was kind of like. Ugh, do I have to do this? Like, I have so much other work. I don't really want to do this. Um, that turned into something so fun. Um, getting to make mm -hmm. a comic that is essentially... The way I pitched that issue is it is seven stories that is making fun of Marvel comics. Um, so you have Nick Spencer, who is just writing a satire version of Secret Empire. And you have Chris Hastings writing a 
satire of the creation of Gwenpool. Um, you have Chip Zdarsky doing a one-page, uh, one-page comic about just you know the twenty different Wolverine characters that we have in Marvel right now, and uh, Ryan North and Erica Henderson did a Squirrel Girl supervillain online dating app. Like it, it's <laughs> it's just. It, it's so much fun. Katie Cook did a story where it's Peter Parker's writing his own fan fiction. Um, it's just so, so much fun. We bring back, of course, Forbish Man um, by Jay Fosgett and uh, Four Lovely Vignettes. Um, I think it's super cute. I think it's fun. Uh, if you have a sense of humor, I think you'll like it. Uh, I'm really proud of it. Read it, please. And then tweet me that you read it. So I'm not sad that no one read it. <laughs> I'll see what I can do about that. <laughs> so as we start to wrap up, where can people find you online? Easiest place is the twitter.com. Uh, you can search for my name, Heather Antos, or if you don't feel like searching for my name, you can just type in twitter.com slash Heather Antos. Same thing. And uh, Devin, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me online at Fred Fett. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, where can people find you? You can find me online on Twitter at at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G or at Luke Hare, L-U-K-E-H-E-R-R dot com. And Devin, do you know what we're going to be covering? Well, no, you wouldn't know because you're not going to be in that episode. Uh, next week, we are going to be covering uh, a fan fiction's writer's X-Men alternate universe fan fiction. Just to mix up what we're doing this year, and then starting in April is our What If Infinity Month. Yay! Yeah, yeah. And uh, Multiversal Q and our affiliated podcast Exiled are both Patreon-supported, where for as little as $1 a month you get early episodes of Exiled, which uh, we are finally getting to the end of the lead-up to the fighting tournament arc where a lot of crazy stuff has already happened in the first two episodes of the tournament that we've recorded. It's going to be good. Uh, we also just recently hit a higher goal on our Patreon, so thank you to all of our supporters for doing that. Multiverse Q is a weekly podcast. You can see more of what we're doing. You can see our archives. You can see image galleries that we have up for most of the episodes. And more at multiversalq.com. We also have a Twitter and a Facebook. Um, yeah, we mentioned what we're doing next week and where people can find us. So I think that wraps us up for this week. Heather, thank you again for coming on. Yeah, thank, thank you. you guys so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. And Devin, thank you for three years of doing this podcast. Yeah, that a good time. Yeah, I, I think it has a lot more legs and for better or worse, less timeliness than the original podcast we had talked about doing the uh, punching Hitler podcast. Which, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. That, that would have gone interesting places, but I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the future. And hopefully we get through another year or two until we finally get done with secret wars and, the build up to that, and then we can forever stop doing that because the Marvel Universe recovering will no longer exist. What? Until I mean, little uh, 
Richard Children put it back together. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to restart it as Multiversal Q with a brand new number one. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Well, until next time, this one's for Hank. Hank.